Welcome to the Queer Confidence Podcast, the podcast to help you become your most confident queer self. I'm your host, he, she, they, Coach Alex Ray, and I haven't always been this confident. In fact, I used to be super insecure. And through this show, I want to share with you what's worked for me, my clients, and my guests so that you can become more confident. Hello, my unicorns. Oh my goodness. How many voices can you fit into one podcast? I feel like there's a lot of sexual metaphors we could make right here. It's like the podcast orgy. Get ready for it. (laughs) Today, I have not one guest, not two guests, but six guests for you. And all six of these humans have worked with me in some capacity or another, and they're amazing queer people all over the LGBTQIA plus spectrum. And I'm so thrilled for them to share their stories of under coming to understand themselves as queer and coming out. They're gonna they're just gonna share with you the true story from the heart. What's what's up? Because what I have realized is that we all have amazing different experiences and the things that maybe seem ordinary to each and every one of us, like from our own story are often the things that are most inspiring to others. So kick back, relax, enjoy their beautiful voices in your ears and take away a little nugget from each of them of what inspires you and how you can learn from their story for your own just understanding of yourself. All right. So to kick it off, let's each introduce ourselves. So hello, Amanda. Hi. <laughs> we have Amanda. We have Michonne. Say hello. Hello, hello. Victoria. Hi. Brian. Unicorns. Cole. Hello, hello. And JC. Hello, magical humans. <laughs> I wanted you all to be able to like hear their voices up front. This is like their little, I don't know, their preview image or whatever, but in your ears. All right. Let's kick it off. Amanda, I, I'm going to have Amanda go first and just share your story, my friend. Tell us, like, first introduce a little bit like, hi, here's who I am, and then go into the story. All right. Sounds good. Um, wow, this is it. Why is this more like terrifying than actually coming out? Like, damn, this is <laughs> woof. You know, I have one bazillion listeners. It's okay, no, right? I'm just that's literally why. I'm like, hang on. Like when I came out, it was like a little more traumatic than this. But like, also, like this is literally just like talking about it. Wow. All right, coming out to more people. Okay, it's like my third coming out. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait, already that's a nugget of, like, just, I feel like so many people are going to feel recognized just through knowing they're not the only one that feels nervous to share their story. Uh, Literally, I was like, oh, okay, this is fine. I was so excited to hear everyone else's, but I guess I'll, like, go first in the gangbang. That's fine. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just starting it off, right? Um, So I'm Amanda. I am a single mama. I'm a business owner. Um, I'm an animal communicator, psychic medium, coach. I'm, I'm like kind of a jack of all trades, jack and jill of all trades. I don't know what you'd call me. So I am a bisexual mother of a three and a half year old. Um, 
and my story, I get like, it starts, how old was I? I would have been in middle school when I started. So I grew up Catholic and in middle school started to realize I had some feelings. I mean, I feel like that's when hormones really start at that point. So like you start to notice that your body reacts differently to like different humans and you're like, okay, I have these feelings and urges, but then I also have this like book that's telling me I shouldn't have these like feelings and urges for like these humans, but also my parents say that, but also like what's happening to my body. So there's just like a lot going on during that time. So I didn't really like honor those feelings, didn't really like act on them, didn't really think anything of it until I got into high school. And once I got into high school, that's when I really started to like recognize that the feelings were a little bit deeper than just like surface level attraction. I ended up going to like an all girls Catholic high school. So you can only imagine the the hormones raging there combined with like the the plaid skirts. I don't know if anybody else has like a thing for like role play and dress up, but like that does not do well for when you have like a thing for the same sex. <laughs> um, so at that point I had started kind of exploring that a little bit. Didn't really tell my parents about it. Um, because of just like Catholic shilt, Catholic shilt, whoops, Catholic shame and guilt. Um, not really something that, not really something I wanted to like talk to my parents until I was sure. Sorry if you hear my child in the background, single mom life, right? <laughs> um, that was around the time when, you know, I, I kind of started keeping those things hidden from my parents because I'm a teenager, like, exploring what's happening and what, what I'm feeling, what I'm expressing, what's going on. And I didn't really know what to do with it. All I knew is like, okay, if I say something, I could get in trouble, right? Like it's the, the feeling of, okay, if I express how I really feel and speak up about what's happening, there's a potential, like I could get grounded. I, I could be shamed. I could, I don't know. Like, I'm going to burn in hell. I don't don't know what I thought. I just know that I was terrified to like say anything about it. Um, So that kind of evolved into my parents checking all my things. I didn't really have any freedoms at that point. I was kind of like, like, because they suspected it. Parents aren't stupid. If it's one thing I've learned as a parent is that, you know, your kid and like, you know, you know what they're up to. You know when they're taking a poo in the corner, the look in their eyes. You, you just know. They may say they're not doing it, but they're pooing in the corner. Like, that's just something I've learned along the way. So my mom found a note um, that I had written to my then girlfriend at the time and ended up uh, confronting me with the note. And it was just, it was horrific and traumatic and I just remember being like yeah okay yeah like I'm a lesbian I like girls at that point I didn't know what bisexual like the catholic church teaches lesbian and gay they don't teach bisexual they don't teach all of these variations that you could possibly be so I was like okay I guess I have to pick a team that's how this works right like you just you pick and that's that like I guess that's how it goes so um I was like oh yeah like I like girls that must mean I'm a lesbian because like I'm 15 and don't understand my sexuality, but that must be what it means. Even though I also like dudes, I don't, I don't really know what to do with this. So I ended up kind of being forced out of the closet at that point. Um, I remember getting like dragged downstairs about 
how I had to tell my dad. So I told my dad and that just led to like a clusterfuck really like of just emotions, a lot of screaming. I remember there was a lot of door slamming. Um, I, my parents didn't talk to me for a few days. The only time they did talk to me, was like to drive me to my grandparents to like tell them what was going on. So it was a very like shameful experience for me to not only not know what was happening, but not have the right resources, not know what my body was telling me, what I was doing, not sure how to navigate it. And I really didn't have anybody at that point that could like show me or tell me what, what was going on or how to explore it in a safe way. So, um, I remember I like, I, yes, I had a girlfriend and I had a support system of friends who really loved me, but I got cut off from those when I came out. Um, I was grounded. I wasn't allowed to do any extracurricular activities. I um, was basically allowed to go to school, go to softball, come home. And that was that Um, until I was about, until I was 18. That was the rule until I was 18. I wasn't allowed to. So I had graduated high school because my birthday's in June. So I graduated high school. I couldn't go to beach week, couldn't go to prom after party. Um, I was just really depressed at that point and kind of lost my voice and lost my way and didn't really know what to do with it other than just be depressed and not, and identify as a lesbian for a really long time. I think it was like six years. I identified as a lesbian until the whole world kind of opened up. I turned 18 and started exploring things more. And I was like, wait a second, hang on. Like I can like both guys and girls and it wasn't until I went through like a traumatic breakup with my ex-girlfriend where she ended up uh, cheating on me with a guy. And I was like, huh, okay, well, this is a conundrum that I never thought I'd find myself in. Like, let's confront this. Wait a second. Hang on. So you're telling me that like, you can leave me for the D and that's a thing. Like, well, clearly if it's that good, I know I'm great. So like, if it is that good, I need to give this a try. Like, I was like, if that's enough to pull you out of this, then like, what am I missing? Oh, So we like to call that my hoe phase, um, where I just basically was like, I'm just, you know what, like, let's give it a try. Let's give it a whirl, treat it like a carousel. And like, let's see what happens. And I ended up kind of like discovering that I was like, all right, like maybe I enjoy the like sexual side of women, but enjoy the relationship side of like that dominance and that, like that masculinity that comes with the men I encountered. Um, and for me, I definitely, I think like aesthetically, I appreciate women and like, I enjoy the sexuality and the sensuality and all of the things that come with being with a woman. Whereas like, I also kind of look for that in a man as well, but it's harder to find because I don't know. I just haven't found the right person yet, obviously, but I did end up, um, meeting somebody who hit all of the right trauma wounds, who hit all of the right triggers for me, who hit, hit all of the right things to pull me into a relationship dynamic that I was like, you know what? I could do this. I could see myself doing this forever. Um, and I ended up getting pregnant with my son after years of not thinking I was going to be able to conceive and kept him and got married and kind of like, just explored myself from there. Like I met Alex and he frankly was the first person 
that made me comfortable enough to identify as queer and fully embody that and step into that and advocate for it and be comfortable saying like, no, I am a queer woman who has a child. I am bisexual and that's okay. I can love all of the things and have that be okay. So that's my story. Oh my God. I'm, I'm like (laughs) on the edge of crying. So let's like, hold on. Deep breath. I had no idea that I had that impact on you. And so thank you one for telling me that. And two, like, I think this is, it's so interesting. And I just want to reflect on that real quick. Like the honest truth for everyone else, for you and everyone listening is that like, I have had doubts about myself, whether I was like queer enough, gay enough, et cetera, for years. And well, actually even today, there's even things that like, I do not fit certain boxes and there, like, I do have insecurity about that. Like, I'm not a, uh, oh, what am I doing? Who am I doing? Like, am I even Mm -hmm. allowed to be leading a podcast like this? Right. So that I think is just even further evidence that like we never know the amazing influence we can have just by being ourselves. So thank you for sharing your story, Amanda. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you for paving the way and for giving us a platform to share our story on and like be ourselves. Thank you for kind of paving the way to authenticity for all of us. Of course. Of course. Oh, all right. Amazing. Victoria, um, no, sorry, Michon. We're gonna hear from you next. Um, let's go. Tell us who. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then let's hear your story. All right. Hello, hello. Um, I'm Michon. I am a in the military, um, and also on my own business as an image consultant. Um, and I guess we will kick off into just my coming out story. It's kind of hard going after Amanda, but here we go. Um, So um, I've always known that I've kind of had attraction to the same sex, Um, but I think uh, growing up, having parents from the South, um, they're both military, um, having parents from the South and um, just being Black, there is definitely a stigma that I had growing up about um, coming out as being gay. Um, And just in my story, I never actually had the chance to make it my own story to come out I've always been kind of forced out um so the first time that I was forced out was um in high school I was dabbling trying to figure out you know the whole sexuality thing which I think a lot of people try to do around right around that time um and my boyfriend at the time my very first boyfriend um used to do the texting back in the day which used to be notes so we used to pass notes back and forth um, and of course, as a teen, I just threw it in my book bag, didn't think anything about it. Uh, you know, my parents going to my book bag, they would read it, read my notes. Cause Hey, I should have some privacy, right? Yeah. Um, learned the hard way that, that you don't really get that at some point when your parents need something. Um, and so one day for back to school night, cause my parents were really involved and are very involved in our lives and are, and still are, um, they decided, my mother decided to go through my book bag and she found notes and decided to read the, read the notes. And yeah, when you get a note from, you know, a guy's name and he writes to my Nubian friends, yeah, that really caused some concerns. Um, so yeah, so 
needless to say, there was a gigantic freak out. Um, I was actually at my boyfriend's house at the time coming home. Um, they, we lived in the same neighborhood. My parents came, well, my father came down, picked me up, uh, brought me home. And that turned into a whole big blowout discussion, uh, which caused some very huge trauma at the time. Um, you know, I, I think there was, and, and I don't want to make it seem like my parents are bad people. I just think it, it during that time, I think there was just kind of horrible reactions. Um, so there was a little bit of, of physical um, trauma that happened during that time. Um, also, I think there are, there were some um, verbal trauma that happened as well. Um, and for me, to be honest, the verbal trauma is what carried on the longest. Um, just because when you have your, you know, a parent tell you that they are um, embarrassed by your sexuality is kind of a, a lot to kind of deal with when you're a, you know, a teenager yourself trying to figure out life to, to have that being said um, was a lot. So during that time, you know, I went back in the closet and said, hey, you know, I'm, you know, no longer gay, got a girlfriend who turned out to be a lesbian. Hey, it, you know, so it, it all, you know, kind of worked out for a while. Uh, and then, you know, went to college and kind of just was like, oh, Kevin, I'm in college. I'm just trying to figure myself out and, you know, figure out the dating pool and do everything else of that nature. Um, got another boyfriend um, and then kind of ended up going through another traumatic breakup. Um, my parents kind of brushed that off because they kind of was like, OK, like, is that a boyfriend? Is it just a phase? Because, you know, parents love to say oh it's just a phase and it's like yeah a phase for eight years i don't really think it's a phase at this point um so you know they thought it was a phase so they still thinking i was straight um and then i met my ex-husband at the time um and we were dating and of course on facebook i wasn't going to say hey i i, I put that i was in a relationship with the guy didn't really care um and then i've had family extended family that i didn't really talk to you know, kind of call my parents up and say, hey, you know, is, is, is Michonne married to a guy? Which, and I got another phone call and I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not married. Um, I was engaged, but I, I wasn't married. But it, it always just seems like everybody was very interested in who I was dating and telling my parents before I was able to have that conversation with them of, hey, this is who I am. I kind of figured it out. Let's have this conversation and kind of the, the setting that I want to have it. So I was always constantly thrown into people wanting to out me. And then I had to, you know, then have this conversation um, on somebody else's terms, which now I know I didn't really need to, but I did at that time not knowing. Um, and so I remember I was active duty Navy at one point on sea duty. And I just remember sending my parents a nice, very long text message saying, hey, I don't, you know, to be a disappointment, but yes, I'm gay. Uh, yes, I, you know, and maybe I was married at that point because they didn't know because I didn't want to put them in the situation of knowing. Um, so I may have been married at that point. I may not have. I don't really remember at this point. Um, and just kind of just laid everything out. And, you know, we just kind of had a conversation um, about my, you know, sexuality. And, and to, to, you know, to this day, we've my parents and I have come to a better relationship. We don't agree on it, on they say my lifestyle. Um, but in the day, I just learned through this whole experience that I can only be me and I know myself and nobody can tell me what I know about myself because they're not me. Um, but we're in a, a better place. 
and I am just 100% honest with them of this is who I am, and I do identify as queer, and I do identify as gay and homosexual, and um, I have my own spirituality, and I am who I am, and I love them, but I'm going to be me, and um, this is who I am. I love that. I, it's tough. And I think this, you know, already it's been a theme. I think for a lot of us in the community, like our relationship with our parents tends to be the one that we're most frightened about losing or changing and coming out. And um, yeah, I just, wow. What a, it just sucks that you didn't get to come out to them on your terms and your timing. Yeah, but I, I, it sucks, but I think the best thing about it is I think it kind of forces you to to, to just do it at some point because I think for me personally, I probably would have kind of held it in because I during that time of my life, I was very much, I don't want to disappoint my parents. Um, and I think having that situation go through a couple of times was like, you know what, this is who I am. Um, and we're just going to attack it head on at this point. I love that. So what you're telling us is that we can use all things like to our advantage. <laughs> they can all be oh, good for us. Oh yeah, you have to. It, it might suck during the time, but if you look back, it might have served a much better and bigger purpose than you actually realized during the moment. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Michonne. I so appreciate it. You're welcome, sir. All right, next up, Victoria, share with us who you are, and we can't wait to hear your story. Thank you. Um, All right. My name is Victoria. I am an empowerment coach. I help people socialize as women feel good about themselves. I'm really big into body acceptance. I'm a fat liberationist, um, an abolitionist. I'm really like into just reforming social justice and uh, our political system. So that's a little bit about me, but as far as my queer identity, it's interesting that, um, both people before me have, um, and like what you were just saying, Alex, talking about like parents being a part of this, but that really wasn't the case for me. Um, my parents were really accepting. I always heard like, it doesn't matter. Like we don't, we don't care love who you love. If you're gay, like it's fine. And that's awesome. (laughs) However, um, I had so much internalized misogyny and homophobia from just society and being socialized into heteronormativity and being socialized as a woman, um, needing the male gaze for validation. It made me, uh, not necessarily, Necessarily fear my queerness, but I was very ashamed of it. And so I did have a girlfriend when I was like 14, but I was never able, it lasted like a couple of months. Um, but I was never really able to like fully embrace being in there, being in that relationship, um, because of that internalized misogyny and homophobia. So I would like mess around with my friends behind closed doors, kind of thing. We were actually like really we were kind of fucked up, honestly. <laughs> We would like go on Omegle and shit and like make out at, I don't know what we were doing. (laughs) Um, You were being, you were being kids in the, 
in the age of the early internet. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, so I would do, we would do that. And then I started, I moved to Portland. So I'm from upstate New York. I moved to Portland. I met some really amazing people who are like my found family and really started opening up more to this idea of like, oh, I can be more open about who I am and being more curious about what it is that I want and what I like and exploring that. So I dated, um, I think I only dated one woman while I was there, actually. It was brief. Um, And then I moved here to the Midwest where I don't know why I chose the Midwest of all places to unleash my queerness, but here we are. Now I'm like in the middle of fucking North Dakota, like I am gay. <laughs> and there's the dating pool is like the size of a pea. Um, so, <laughs> which, so I don't, I do identify as queer. I don't know if I am a lesbian. Um, I have toyed around with that idea. I'm still figuring things out. Um, I lean more towards that. I definitely am more attracted to AFAB people. Um, My gender is something that I've also explored. I'm pretty sure I'm non-binary. And that is also something I'm like, I have no fucking clue, but probably (laughs) we're going to, we're going to (laughs) see, play around with some things. (laughs) Um, Oh, I'm also polyamorous. And that I think was like more um, scary for me to come out as. Uh, especially with my parents, because like, yeah, they don't give a shit if I'm queer, but if I'm queer with multiple people, I don't know, that might be, that might be pushing it. <laughs> like one queer relationship is enough. Five of them, hmm, honey. <laughs> but they were, I, I, I don't really, I didn't really have like an actual coming out with my dad, but like my mom was super accepting. She was like, that's, that's a little weird, but like I can, it's fine. I don't give a shit what you do. Um, so yeah, most of it. Oh, I left out a really big part. Um, the, a lot of the shame that I had about being queer as a child and still like I struggle with it is because of my body. Um, I was really terrified of being seen as like the fat dyke. I was very ashamed of like any type of masculinity being associated with me. And as a larger person, especially in AFAB, like being larger, you are seen as more masculine. That's something that like we're kind of conditioned to, to um, do is to hyper feminize ourselves and our bodies. And so like, Oh my God, I remember this one time I put, I went out, um, with some guy that's a fucked up story too but we don't have to talk about that the point is that I put socks like I have I have a smaller chest I put like a big pair of socks underneath like my boobs and taped them and like contoured them and everything like I just went so out of my way to hyper feminize myself because I didn't want to be seen as masculine and if I dated women I I felt like I'm 100% going to be seen as masculine that's unattractive that's not what um, the patriarchy has taught me is allowed. And so I did everything to avoid that. And that is why I, all of my encounters were like hidden and behind closed doors and 
now I'm very accepting of my body. I've been, uh, I've realized that I had an eating disorder for my entire life. I've been in recovery from that for three years now. I am pretty comfortable with my body at this point. I'm also very comfortable with my masculine energy. Um, that's something that has been really fun for me to kind of like explore more. And yeah, it's been like very freeing and it's been like very freeing to learn to, um, I was actually just talking about this with a new partner of mine. We get very timid around like other AFAB people and pursuing them. Um, and so I've been like learning to kind of deconstruct that and become more comfortable with like being a little flirty or like asking for someone's number or just like complimenting someone that I think is cute. Um, and to me, that feels very much like masculine energy of like, we're pursuing, we're not like, uh, what's the word, like taking in, we're not receiving. So that's been really fun and scary. <laughs> it's scary. I get very much queer panic. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, AFAB means assigned female at birth. So AFAB and then AMAB is assigned male at birth. Um, it's just so I'm not speaking in the binary. That's it. Um, but yeah, that I think that's it. That covers my bases, I think. <laughs> I I love it. And you know what really like stands out to me about your story is this amazing vulnerability to to share like hey, I'm actually currently exploring my gender identity. I'm currently exploring my sexual orientation and I just I just love it. This like this is what confidence is to be able <laughs> to like man, I'm I'm I am a contradiction. I have it together and I have nothing together. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Totally. I think like especially with gender and sexuality, I think we want to have like a definitive identity so that we can like come out, you know? But like why? You know? Cuz it's such like a nuanced subject too. Like you and I talked about this actually when I was like really struggling with like am I a lesbian? Like what am I doing cuz I'm in a relationship with um a cisgendered man. So I'm like what the fuck? I'm I'm terrified. This is terrible. And you said something along the lines of like you'll like it, you don't have to be definitive. You'll figure it out. Like it's okay that there's like this fluidity and there's this like not like yes, you are a lesbian. That's it. There's no going back or moving forward from here. <laughs> it just doesn't have to be that way. And with gender too, especially like that's, that's been fun to explore. Oh, so, so, so good. Thank you so much, Victoria, for sharing. Amazing. Yeah, thank you. Of course. All right, Brian, you're up next. Alrighty. Thanks, Alex. Um, for me, yeah, my story, I don't know, it feels kind of different. I feel like I'm the elder of the group. <laughs> I think I'm the oldest person in the in the room of the call. Um, so giving myself away there. So I'm 46. Um, I'm a life coach and a weight loss coach. Um, I have a science background. Uh, so I'm a bit of a nerd <laughs> as well. Um, and um, for me, my journey with my sexuality. So um, I've always known that I was different 
in some way, but I didn't really know what that meant for the longest time in my life. Um, and I guess the story I want to share today is really just my story of kind of reconciling myself with myself and with how I fit into the community because um, I think I did the reverse of everyone else. I didn't play around. I didn't explore in high school. In fact, I didn't even really know what was going on, as many of us don't um, in those developmental ages. I just knew that I was different in some way. Um, and I always, you know, talk about my sexuality as like, I've always known I was gay, but I didn't realise it until my late teens. And it really came home to me in two ways, because actually before I get to the ways, I didn't really know what being gay was, right? It was this word that I'd heard bandied about, um, always in negative terms, always as either a slur or, um, you know, as from a religious upbringing, that it was a sin, that it was shameful, it was um, an abomination. I don't want to be that. That's, that sounds terrible. Um, and... you know, just getting it lumped into, um, you know, it was always this bad thing. <laughs> anyway, that was the conditioning that I knew. It was a bad thing. I didn't know that it applied to me. I just knew it was the, it was the thing that was supposedly bad um, that you should feel terrible about. And then um, it wasn't until in high school, I there were two events as I said, that really made me realize that I was gay. One is I remember, I don't know, it was early teens, 13, 14, something like that. And we were walking down the street with a group of my friends, all cis, het, white males. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I've just been living my life, you know, noticing what I've been noticing. And all of my friends were suddenly exclaiming about, did you see that? And you know, uh, Victoria was talking about, you know, women being the object of male gaze. There's lots of misogyny here, so I don't want to trigger anyone with that. But they were like, did you see the boobs on that? Like, did you see the rack on her? And I'm like, no, actually, I didn't. Um, it's the first time I realised, like, I was checking out the guy's package who was <laughs> walking with him. And that was the first time in my life I realised, oh, all my friends aren't seeing the world. Where I'm seeing the world, there is something here. Like, oh, okay, hold on, wait. And of course, I knew at that point, like, um, that there had been enough shame about. It. I was like, ooh, okay, now I've also got to hide this, right? The second event um, here in Australia, we do have a comprehensive sex education, so yay us. Um, um, and there was a class. I mean, this was probably you know, what was, what was really too late to having this, but uh, in our year 10, I guess, late middle school for, for you guys in the US, um, that we'd had the sex ed class and like, okay, this is the, the physicality of how it works. You know, this goes here, <laughs> this goes here. Um, and I remember that class really so vividly because they're talking like, you know, in a PIV, penis and vagina sex, and then they were, talking about, and here's how anal sex works. And of course, a group of immature teenagers were all like, you know, that's really gay, you can't do it. But, um, 
and were really deriding and mocking the teacher then just for doing their job, like doing his job and teaching it <laughs> to us. Um, and, you know, I remember walking away from that class coming home and coming, um, you know, recognizing my gynophobia at that point, like, ooh, yeah, and like vaginas, I don't want to go anywhere near those, yuck. <laughs> um, what's this anal sex thing? How does that work? <laughs> I was really curious about it. Um, and so, it was kind of, that's when I linked to the, oh, the word gay. Like, it, I know this is not true for every kind of person, but this is what they mean. Guys who like other guys, who have feelings towards them, who want to have sex with other guys, like, oh, I'm gay. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, that's me. That's the horrible thing everyone's talking about. And that really started <laughs> a lot of my a lot of fear around it then up until then I just like been living my life I just get attracted to what I've been uh, attracted to I just knew I was interested I was just fascinated by other guys and you know having the you know sneaky checking each other out in the change room sort of thing that I thought was just normal and it was normal for me that's the thing um and so all my life I'm trying to reconcile this idea of um, being told that this is a decision or this is you know a lifestyle which I think any of us in the lifestyle, I'm doing air quotes for everyone on the podcast, um, everyone in the lifestyle realizes it's not lifestyle, it's just who we are, we're just living our lives. It's just what comes naturally to us. Um, and so, you know, I really learned then, oh, okay, I have to be careful. This is the thing most people don't approve of. Which kind of sucked because I had a really great relationship with, um, my parents and with my friends and you know my coming out stories and I say stories because I thought at the time it's a thing you do once <laughs> and I've learned that it's not it's a thing we do many many million times every time you reach meet someone new every time you have a new job every time you move to a new place every new person is another opportunity to come out again and again and so um, fortunately I did have support I remember a conversation with my mother, who's, you know, a real rock in my life, um, early on, and she, she claims never to remember to have had this conversation, so it wasn't a big deal for her. But um, she came to me when I was very young, 8, 9, 10, something like that, and said, you know, um, maybe it was when I started high school, but um, she came and said, um, if you ever have... Um, if you ever get offered um, drugs or alcohol at school, or if you ever have feelings for boys, you better come and tell me. And I'm like, oh, hold on, wait. All the messaging, like this is the just say no to drugs, drugs are bad, you know, all this sort of age. And it was like, oh, she just lumped having attraction to boys in with others are the bad things. I have to be very careful. But once I had my realisation um, and I had discovered there was another boy in town back in the days when uh, porn was a magazine you got at a newsagent's or at the corner store, um, that I'd been secretly, you know, checking out this magazine next to the caravan and fishing um, boats because they had pictures of nude guys in there. Um, and picked it up and then there was this other guy from a nearby high school who was then very curiously looking over my shoulder 
at them like oh hello and very first time in the world i went oh there's someone else who's interested in what i'm interested in here um and from that i had to come and uh, like i could i couldn't live the lie anymore i had so much energy i had so much i wanted to share i couldn't hold it in i couldn't keep living so that's when i came out to my mother i was shaking i had adrenaline she was wonderfully accepting she's like okay do you want me to tell everyone <laughs> like ah oh, yeah you can tell people um so it took me a long time to come out with her and then i've got to wrap up but i i know that now um not only were they wonderfully accepting all of my family been accepting have been just fantastic she's been my biggest support um it did take me a year to tell my dad because i was still scared of his reaction as well um and then all of my friends have been amazing my biggest reconciliation has been with the community because i like you were saying alex i didn't think i was gay enough i didn't think i was interested in all of the things that were typically gay apart from guys <laughs> um and it's taken me so long to really come to terms with that and for now that's the joy i've been having in the last 12 months since working with alex as well um, for those listeners in the podcast i now have gorgeous sparkly jewelry that i'm wearing i have my nails done this shiny glittery gold um and i've just started playing in the last uh you know a few months um like not playing with my gender but playing with gender expectations so you know i've been wearing skirts and fishnets and things like that out in public i've been doing a burlesque class i just did my first performance this last week um and i'm out there now provoking i'm now going yes i want you to assume things out of out of me that like assume that i am gay assume that i'm around with gender here like come on bring it on um because even if you don't like it that gives me something to stand for to reaffirm me to say well this is who i am and this is what is the most natural thing in the world for me and i am now showing it and exploring it mm. ah wow <laughs> thank you so much i freaking love it brian and I love to, you know, we've had a mix now of different reactions with parents. It's so like the, this was what I knew was going to happen. If we had multiple people in the room sharing their coming out stories, everyone's was going to be different. So beautiful. So amazing. And, um, it is so wonderful to, to me to see you just completely, completely letting yourself be seen so much, especially over the last few months. So you are shining. You are so unrestrained, my friend. And it's just a wonderful thing to witness. All right, Cole, you are up. All right. I get to try and summarize the story. It's kind of long. Uh, I'm Cole. I'm a coach and business owner, and I am a transgender man, and I'm bisexual. So I get all the extra queer points, I think. Um, <laughs> the highest I, score so far. <laughs> my sister is also, well, she's marrying a woman. I don't know if she's ever dated a man, so I, I she, but she's never come out to me. So we have like the gay competition. Um, and so I, as a teenager, middle school and high school, I knew that I knew that I wasn't like everyone else. We'll just put it that way. I had a sort of vague sense of not fitting, 
the expectations. Um, I never, I was never the kind of trans person that knew when I was like three years old, like I'm supposed to be a boy. I didn't have that experience, but I do remember one of the first uh, times in school, I uh, never dressed in a very feminine manner, um, but I do remember, I think it was in sixth grade, I bought, went shopping with my mom for school clothes. And we, like, I specifically bought a dress. Like, this is a thing I'm supposed to do. Like, I'm understanding that from the people around me. Like, this is the expectation. And I remember wearing that dress exactly once. And I went to school. And I don't, there are very few times in my life I ever felt so uncomfortable in my body. Like what that felt like and what that meant. It just, I, I, I was horrified and I said never again. And I think it was until maybe graduation. I maybe wore a dress at graduation, my high school graduation, but all the whole time I, I kind of thought like, I must be a lesbian because I don't have, there's no examples of trans men that were available at the time. This was graduated in the year 2000. So this was a long time ago. There's a lot better representation now, but at the time there was just none. And I remember kind of grabbing onto that as being like the only option, right? Like, I'm, I definitely am not a straight woman, even though I kind of like men. But this must be the thing, because this is the only thing I know about. And uh, that was kind of carried me through till college. Um, and I got involved with the, uh, there was like a LGBT group in college. Um, I went to a small state school in Wisconsin. It's pretty rural. There was eight of us, I think maybe in that group. And I like, I remember being really uncomfortable even trying to come out as a lesbian, like being really unsure and not uh, like doing it, but really reluctantly, like not really wanting to identify myself. And this was true even with that group and even on with my family. Um, I ended up, I was dating a woman for a while and during that time, I kind of realized that this was close, but not quite. And I, at the time also, there was more online community and I was hearing about like butch and femme and these kinds of roles that people are, that were, people were exploring in the lesbian community. And I thought, well, I must be butch because I'm definitely not femme. And this whole gender thing is just super confusing. And I don't like, I, like, this is the closest thing I understand. And I remember from that point going, okay, that must be it. And, but then realizing that still wasn't it. And I read a blog from a, that a trans man posted on the internet. And I remember being completely enthralled, just like, what? What is happening? I'd been exposed to transgender women through 
uh, like cable TV. I, I mean, they were, but, but in a horrible, horrible way, like the most degrading way that you possibly can. I mean, these, they were like a sideshow on TV, right? And I remember being super uncomfortable about that, but not obviously not understanding why. I was still a kid at the time. But I do remember reading this blog from this guy, and I just went, oh. Oh, that makes more sense. And it just, like, it clicked. It was like a one and done. It just clicked. Oh, okay, now I understand. And then I was left with the question, like, how do I even approach this with my family, with my friends? And um, I, with my friends, I kind of just said, hey, this is a thing I'm kind of, like, thinking about and exploring, and I'm, I'm kind of confused, and I, like, so I sort of said it that way. And they're like, well, do you want, do you have, like, a name, a new name picked out, and do you want us to, like, help you with this? And it was, I remember that being so amazing. Like, just, they were just like, sure, whatever you need, we will help, right? And that was some of the most seen and validated I think I ever, I'd ever felt in my life. And so I was dating this woman and I explained to her what, uh, like what was going on and she was actually pretty okay with it. And that was great. Um, but then it came time to like, I knew that transition was probably the thing that I wanted to do. Um, I didn't have a lot of details at the time. It was still very much uh, kind of gate gatekeeper E like you needed to have so much therapy. You needed to have a letter from a therapist. You need to do all the things da, 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 da. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to ever have the money or like how I'm going to ever make this work. But I like, I at least need to tell my parents. And when I'd had all this support from my friends and my parents, I wrote them a letter and I gave them a letter and they basically said, no, you're not. Like, we don't, we don't understand what you're talking about. This can't be the case. Like, we don't get it. And on top of that, my mother said, uh, yeah, but what are the neighbors going to think? And I remember being horrified. Like, they were not religious and... I really thought that this was going to be not necessarily formality, but like, kind of like, Hey, here's what's actually going on. And it was kind of, it was a clusterfuck. And that was in 2002. Last summer, my dad finally used my name and pronouns consistently. That's how long it took for him to like come around. So that has been a whole journey in itself, but I, want to tell I want to like leave or like the moral of the story for me is the important part is trusting yourself like if you don't if it doesn't feel right you know and just keep letting yourself be open to the options to the possibility wow what a freaking powerful story, Cole. Thanks. Thank you so much for sharing. 
So appreciate having you here. All right, JC, you're up, my friend. Okay. Hi. I, um, I guess want to acknowledge in advance that having listened to all of your stories, I'm like feeling, uh, emotional. So if I start crying, like I have teary eyes right now, like we're just going to roll with it. Um, yeah, I'm JC. I'm a uh, creative coach for weirdos. I especially love my online, well, and in person, I think I might, well, whatever, the decorative planner community, y'all are dope. I'm also a German studies scholar. I'm writing my dissertation um, on science fiction literature, German science fiction literature from 1945 to today, which is cool. Um, I grew up a mostly in uh, Texas, mostly in Dallas, Texas. And I grew up like a hardcore Bible human. Um, Not because my mom was, not because my grandparents were, none of them went to church, but my great grandmother brought me to church when I stayed with her. She would take, she took care of me a lot um, because my mom was a single mom and, um, and my great grandma lived nearby. And so she took me to church and It's more that I'm just like a very literal human. (laughs) I like went to church and I was like, oh, like good, bad, got it. (laughs) Um, Right. So I like take things very literally, which is why I do amazing work on science fiction, because science fiction is like fantasy literalized um, in the world. Anyway. Okay. Um, Yeah. And so, okay. When I was in like third grade, um, before I started third grade, my mom and I moved to um, a like conservative old money uh, neighborhood in North Dallas called Highland Park. And there, even being like a hardcore Bible human was weird. Like I was just weird um, because a lot of them, like they all went to church, most of them, but they did it like for the community and it felt like very performative to me. And so like when I was in third grade and we would have these um, like Bible studies in these like Bible studies, like pre-elementary school slash like middle school study sessions, whatever. I was like, it, it like really confused me that they didn't like take the lesson and then like implement it perfectly in their like daily lives or that it was like they were just there for like. Well, not just there. I mean, I think that they, but like, I was just like so literal about it. Um, And I like tend to be kind of weird wherever I go. And I think that that's, I don't know, like I like to, I think a lot of people, I do feel like pressure to conform, but I think I'm just like, so I just have like an inner rebel that's like so strong that like, instead of, conforming to color okay I like to explain it with color theory so like you know how you'll have like a gray color and if you put it on black it looks whiter and if you put it on white it looks darker like it looks blacker like that's kind of how I always feel in situations like when I was in a debate like a political debate organization in college 
I was like the weirdo who read philosophy and was always talking about Heidegger when I was in grad school and hanging out with all the like German studies people. I was the one who would like put on the debate, uh, like the political debate. This is like in 2016, like the election debates, right? It's just like, I feel like I add, it's like, I'm, I don't know. I'm just like, I feel like the elements in me get exaggerated that aren't what everybody around me is doing. Um, Anyway, okay, sorry. So I think that my sexuality happened, or I don't know, like I understand my sexuality in that context. So like, I think as I was exploring, it was like read as just like trying to be weird or like another weird thing that I was doing. Um, And I had some like issues with sexuality, but they weren't as much related to gender or, or the gender, like my performance of gender, my understanding of my gender or that of the people that I was interested in. It was more like um, that sexuality itself was devious and literally like my stepmother my biological father's wife has like called me the antichrist um because of the way as a child that I was like exploring I understood that sexuality was devious right like or was wrong like I knew the Spice Girls were like too sexual but I was also very interested in that because it was bad you know and then introducing that to Um, other people was then of course also bad (laughs) as a child so that's where I think a lot of my shame around sexuality comes from less has to do with anyway um but that's not there's not really like labels for that though um and so I think yeah sorry I'm like moving through my notes because I just like wrote all the things that might be possible for me to think about but I I generally I mean I feel like I guess for me, which is actually, I mean, it's cool that that this is actually like a really prominent story, I think, among what we've heard here is that like, I didn't identify, like I didn't know or from early on or whatever, like what my gender was, what gender was, what sexuality, like what my sexuality was, who I was attracted to. I just like kind of, I feel like I am. And then the the kind of labels that are put on top of that don't really feel right to me because they don't like encompass all of my experience, which is like both, um, I don't know, like I have a very traditionally like feminized body. Like I have big boobs, I have a belly, but I'm basically like a traditional figure eight, except like instead of an ass part, I have like a belly part. And so like, even so it's like when I'm but I was very interested in high school and wearing like jeans and t-shirts I think like this was one one like scene in which this like happened oh shit I'm supposed to be wrapping up okay in which this was like lost in translation because like when my mom heard like t-shirt it was like the fitted t-shirts that were like in in like 2007 2006 and not like the t-shirt that I'm wearing now that you can't see, but which is basically like, uh, 
whatever. Anyway, okay. Um, but in high school and around the time that I was like reintroduced to the idea of sexuality, I was like reading critical theory for debate. And so I like read Judith Butler and Michelle Foucault. And I was like, oh, okay. Like gender doesn't really, like, this is all just made up anyway. <laughs> this like doesn't exist. But then I think I continued to feel the pressure of like taking on labels or not. And I'll just like skip to the end, which is that like, it wasn't until joining the iconic queer masterminds, like literally in January, that I identified in any way. (laughs) And um, I felt like a total imposter when I joined because (laughs) Alex and I connected when I saw one of his posts about coaching being BDSM, like being a power exchange. And I was like, oh, this is super cool. I think I'm really interested in working with this person. And so we like started talking and throughout the course of our conversations, he never um, like asked me how I identified. And so I got there to the first day of the Iconic Career Mastermind and I was like, ha ha, I tricked these people. (laughs) They don't know that I'm actually not queer enough to be here. As if, like, thinking that coaching is BDSM, like, isn't an indication that I belong. And then after the first day happened, he sent us this email that was like, hey, I'm, like, editing your intro videos and, like, adding some stuff to the end. Like, how do you identify? And I was like, I don't Oh my god. I've been on mute and I'm laughing so hard. (laughs) So I don't know. I identify as queer, but I I've like had sex with girls, had sex with guys. I don't know. Sometimes I like performing. I like wearing dresses and like performing femininity. Sometimes I like not. I just feel like I'm a glob. You know, this is why I love the term queer, though, because it is so broad and inclusive. And I feel like that's just like, you know, whether you you use it if you want to or not. But like, to me, that's like the wonderful umbrella that just is permission to be not normal and normal being like whatever society says you're supposed to be, you know. (laughs) So you absolutely are queer and, and you don't have to have any specific label. And I love that about your story. Like this is also like, that's also the message that I hope rings true through everything that I say is that like, please, you know, you don't have to have some kind of label. The point of labels is just for humans that want to like, you know, kind of understand things. It's like one simple word that has like a general consensus around it. But even what one person says is gay is different than what another person says is gay, right? So language is limits. And I just like, this is the queerest thing ever, not having a label. (laughs) It's like T-Mobile, the uncarrier. You're you're the (laughs) the unlabeled. Yeah. And I think like I got some pushback from like people like queer folks that I or I don't know, like lesbians that I encountered with like a friend at one point 
I think, I think I feel, I think something, I think, right. So some situations where I encountered some pushback where they're like, oh, you don't like labels. And it became this, like, you don't like labels as opposed to like, I don't know, I just like exist in the world. Um, I think actually like prevented me from feeling comfortable, like exploring even what those could possibly be. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm kind of resonating with parts of like Brian's story too, where it's like, I don't know, like, um, or finding community around that. Yeah. I love it. JC, thank you so much for sharing your story. That was amazing. So appreciate you. All right. We're going to do once more through everyone. And I would like just, just to wrap us up here to bring us home. And I would love for each of you to share just one final piece of wisdom or encouragement for our unicorns listening today. So we'll go in the same order. Amanda, what you got? Some wisdom or encouragement? So I think for me, oh, hang on. Sorry. I think I got a phone call for a second. Sorry. I think for me, um, my biggest piece, I get not even wisdom. I'm not even going to call it wisdom. Cause like, I'm not a fucking like owl. I don't know. Like <laughs> just for me, like my biggest, I, I mean, I can talk to them, but like, I'd rather not, like, I'd rather just be me right now. Like my biggest thing I've learned and I'm just going to go based off of what I've learned because that's all I can give you because that's just through my perspective is um, I used to be someone who very much disowned my label and very much didn't want to identify I didn't want to put a label on myself but I realized it's because I was afraid of the evolution of what that meant like it was like a fear of change and a fear of not wanting to label myself wrong and then have to go back and change it um, But what I also realized was, you know, I had made a post a while ago about like going to the grocery store and how we have labels for that because that's how we know if it's safe to consume, right? Like, so people want to know, am I safe to consume? Maybe not, but I'm going to put it out there as what I am. So, you know, but just in general, like you want to know where your safety areas are. You want to know if you're going to be safe or accepted, or if that's the aisle you even want to be in. Like labels aren't a container meant to keep us stuck. They're actually like a form of freedom that allows us the right to expression within the right setting. Um, So that, and just the fact that we're all just doing the best we fucking can with what we have, like our parents, our friends, all of us, like, so grace is like the biggest thing I've learned in my journey is I, you know, yes, my story has a lot of like ups and downs. It has a lot of like moments where I could be very bitter at like what happened, but ultimately I've learned a sense of like grace and compassion through it, understanding that we're all just seeing things through our own lens. And sometimes that lens looks different. So if we can have compassion, it goes a lot farther than judgment. I love it. Thank you for sharing those golden nuggets of truth. Amazing. All right, Michonne. <laughs> Michonne. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that I've been resonating with myself lately, um, and I could tap on other people, is definitely just to love yourself, feel confident in yourself and, and work and just work on yourself 
Um, Because when you're confident with yourself, it doesn't matter what other people tell you because you're confident in who you are and your own abilities. And just recently, I've realized when I look at other people that are doing some of the same things I thought, I'm like, I can do that just as good or better because now I have confidence in my own self and my own skills. Um, and that's something I think as queer people, we also need to, to look into no matter who you are is I love myself. I'm confident in myself and I'm about to step out and show the world what they're going to get. They're going to get all of me of who I am at that moment. Oh, I love that. Particularly like all of me in this moment. So good. Victoria. Yeah, so I think the most challenging aspect of coming into my identity has been unpacking heteronormativity, uh, especially in the confines of being in a relationship with a cisgendered man. And so this is very specific, but if you two are struggling with that, um, or just in general, when you're struggling with like your sexuality or gender identity, be honest with yourself, be honest with the people around you and honor your feelings. Um, The worst thing that's going to happen is that it's going to feel really uncomfortable and I mean, it's going to feel uncomfortable anyway. So you might as well talk about it and honor it and try to figure it out and move forward in a way that um, is going to be good for you. So good. So good. All right, Brian. I just want to echo what everyone else has been saying. This honor yourself, be truthful to yourself and trust yourself to give yourself the time and space to figure it out that you need, that you feel comfortable with. Um, I want to share one little other insight that I learned from another podcast here in Australia, the Indies and Addies podcast done by our national broadcaster. Um, But I heard this term that rather than thinking about it as being coming out, because coming out is about it's a real act of courage, of de- declaration, of putting yourself out there, I guess, for judgment. Um, and yes, have your own back for that. Make sure you're safe. Make sure you've got the support around you. Have your own back to do that. But also then think about it in these terms as what if it's not coming out, but inviting people into your world, inviting people in to your experience of who you are. Who are you going to honor with that information? Well, shit. Now we all need to go listen to that episode. <laughs> Will you get that to me and I'll put it in the I'll show notes? For you, yeah. Okay, amazing. Thank you. Cole. So I think I'm just going to go back to what I was talking about before and say... Just lean into your own authority. Nobody knows you like you do. And there's nothing anybody else can tell you about yourself. Like, they don't know the truth of you the way you do. So Mm. lean into that. Because it's the only way to really find your own freedom. So good. So good. JC. Um, kind of in line, I guess, with what everybody's been saying, but also with what Cole said at the end of 
um, his story was um, about like trusting yourself. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about time lately and like how sometimes we get to a point with something and it has already like it, it has already unfolded. Like once we get, it's like we struggle with something and then we like let it go. And then the answer always was there already, right? Like we have this sense that like it already happened. And I think that that is really in line with like trusting yourself. Like you don't have to, like you can trust the world to like unfold for you and you can trust yourself to already have known when it's the right time for you to know, if that makes any sense. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, JC. Oh, holy shit, you all. Amanda, Michonne, Victoria, Brian, Cole, JC. Thank you so much, each and every one of you, for being here with me today, for being here on the podcast, for sharing your stories. I'm honored to know each and every one of you and to have the amazing relationships that we have. And I'm so honored that you came to spend time out of your day to share your stories here. This is just ridiculously special to me and what a perfect way to close out pride month on the podcast. And pride of course is a year round infinite thing, (laughs) but our celebration this month. Like what a, what a great way to, to celebrate um, June and close it out on the podcast. So thank you so much for being with me here today. Um, For everyone listening, we are going to have, we'll have everyone's social media and everything linked up in the description. So just go down there. It'll be there for you because otherwise it's going to take too long for everyone to say their thing and for you to type it in, right? We'll make it super easy for you. (laughs) And I'll also link up that, um, the podcast that Brian was talking about, because man, what a, a powerful nugget to just invite people in instead of coming out. That feels so much more like safe too. Like it's my container we can, and, and we can also tell people they're not invited in. So good. All right. Uh, unicorns, you have an amazing week. Thank you for being here today and have a fabulous, fabulous remainder of Pride Month. Celebrate yourself each and every day. And just remember your story, you as a human, both worthy, worth getting to know, and your story will continue to unfold until the day you die. So there's no rush. Love you all. Have an amazing week. I'll see you on the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with a friend so they too can become more confident. You can also help more people find the show by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen. And if you want to become a more confident queer with support from yours truly, head to coachalexray.com or use the link down in the show notes. I'm looking forward to working with you.